Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert with you Monday, May 2nd. Happy May, everyone. <clears throat> Glad to be with you today uh, for the first time in about a week. Just wanted to uh, uh, get to a lot of subjects today. <clears throat> got um, It's my girlfriend's birthday the next two days. So I've uh, got a little celebrating to do today and then tomorrow. I'm back on schedule with more podcasts, more stuff from thebigspur.com uh, later this week, starting Wednesday. <clears throat> and uh, certainly want to thank Heritage Digital uh, for always sponsoring the news and notes segment of this podcast. Uh, and we'll get right to it. NFL draft. Gamecocks had three guys drafted. Uh, one was kind of a surprise, and I want to apologize to you guys. Uh, and also to Nick Muse. I've always thought a lot of Nick. Uh, I've always thought, uh, you know, people complained because he came from William & Mary or whatever when they got him. I always thought the guy had a lot of talent. He had an unfortunate injury. Uh, probably one of the best blocker in the world. Um, I don't I don't know that last year in the passing game they used him enough, if that makes sense. And maybe they couldn't because they had the max protect sometimes because of uh, the offensive line woes or whatever. I hope they don't use Austin Stogner like they used Nick Muse this year. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a big athletic kid with good hands, um, you know, did drop some earlier. I think people focus on that way too much. Uh, the Tennessee thing uh, in 2020 was a tough pill to swallow, obviously. Uh, but, you know, that ball wasn't right in his bread basket or anything from Colin Hill. So uh, good to see him drafted seventh round by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and and uh, I apologize because I didn't mention him. I, I thought White and Harris would be the late pickups. White, of course, Went undrafted, but signed with the Miami Dolphins, which uh, that's good for him. That kid's from Fort Myers, Florida. So right across I-75, uh, his pro team, uh, that's good. And, you know, I, I think Zaquandre uh, could make a roster. I, I really do. Uh, Jabari Ellis as well, who also signed an undrafted free agent contract. Uh, J.J. Enigbare went in the fifth round to the Green Bay Packers. 
I like that fit for him with the Packers as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, uh, you know, talked maybe about third round, fourth round for him. And, you know, thinking back on it, you know, at, at, at any point this past season, I don't know that J.J. was dominant. You know, I think J.J. is a hell of a player. Uh, I, I think he – great pass rusher, aggressive guy, uh, talented, deserved to be drafted, NFL guy. You can't argue with that. But I also looked at the defensive ends in this class, uh, in this draft class, and, you know, you, after you got past the, the Thibodeaux and the Hutchinsons and the Trevon Walkers, I mean, it, it was stacked, you know, with a lot of guys that were a lot like J.J. and Igbari. Uh, so that's another thing. I probably my, my excellent draft analysis. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have, uh, you know, thought he may go as high. Uh, admittedly, I didn't do my homework. You got to do your homework, man. Uh, and uh, probably should have looked and seen. Hey, there's a lot of ends, a lot of outside linebacker types, that, which is what some people say JJ will play. Uh, that can rush the passer. So. At the end of the day, the fifth round, I think, is pretty good for him. He's another defensive lineman that's drafted out of the school. Um, you know, shout out to Bobby Bentley, uh, former assistant coach at South Carolina, uh, because two of the three guys that got drafted, uh, Kevin Harris, of course, goes to the Patriots. I sort of knew that was going to happen. I think a little tip that the Patriots were wanting him late and that he's the type of guy in that organization that, you know, they draft late because, it, you know, he's got a few warts and wasn't as productive this year. And then the next thing you know, he's rushing for 1,200 yards uh, in a Patriots uniform. And I could see that happening for Kevin. I really could. I think that's another great franchise fit. Um, Muse went to the Vikings, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Just got to make sure I'm thorough here. It's early. Uh, <laughs> I have had my coffee, though, so that's good. Um, and, uh, you know, so – I thought Harris was a really good fit there. You know, I mentioned JJ, uh, you know, and, and, and Bobby, Bobby Bentley, you know, look, Kevin Harris was an evaluation from camp. They beat an army Navy and air force on him. <laughs> uh, Nick Muse, obviously Tanner Muse's brother. Tanner was a four-star guy and played at Clemson, but Nick was a transfer from William and Mary, a uh, two-star guy coming out of uh, Belmont, North Carolina. So good for the game guys to get a North Carolinian drafted as well. Uh, Harris, of course, from Georgia. Uh, and then uh, Enigbari is also from Georgia. So no South Carolinians uh, in this class. And I've actually got an article coming out on the bigspur.com that you can read probably here in the next couple of hours or so uh, for free, not a uh, premium article. Uh, breaking down the draft picks at South Carolina that are from South Carolina and where they're from. Very interesting. Uh, obviously, and I'm going to talk about this here in a little bit during the analysis segment, uh, but I don't think it's any surprise Rock Hill in that area, Football Town USA, uh, has been good at the Gamecocks and, and a lot of other programs <laughs> over the years, uh, you know, with the number of, of players that have gone to Carolina and been drafted out of that area. But then there's also some other surprises. There's surprises by position. I mean, I, I, I guess it got lost on me. I went through 15 drafts, you know, and, and then I broke down the in-state guys in this article, the 15 draft articles of VIP that came out Saturday on the Big Spur. Um, surprised the number of offensive linemen that have been drafted out of South Carolina. Uh, you don't realize that a lot of them were late rounder guys, but then a lot of them have stuck. AJ Cam, Brandon Shell, 
TJ Johnson played for the Bengals for a while. You know, you did Dennis Daly. I mean, you, you just don't it really get kind of gets lost on you a little bit. And a lot of those guys are in state. So, you know, I always sit here and talk about the lack of available offensive line talent in the South. Uh, but, you know, when South Carolina as a state has offensive linemen, a lot of those guys have panned out uh, for the Gamecocks. And that's exciting if you're a Gamecock fan uh, because you have Marquis Anderson from Dorman uh, narrowed his list to four, by the way. It's another news note. Uh, LSU, North Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson for the kid out of Dorman. Gamecocks, from what I'm told, have a good end with him. My crystal ball remains on South Carolina. They're going to snap. If they get him, they'll snap a streak at Norman of not getting the top Norman guys. Uh, I'm from Spartanburg, so I think that's a, it's a good thing when I think about it. You know, Norman's a really good program, but, uh, you know, it's a big enough school to where they're going to have guys pretty frequently, and Clemson usually gets all of them. So that's, uh, that's a positive. I mean, you know, if, and again, back to the in-state offensive lineman thing, you know, look at Jordan McFadden at Clemson. I mean, that guy, you know, I think they flipped him from Virginia Tech, three-star guy, pretty good player uh, from the state. So, you know, that's uh, that's solid, solid stuff, uh, I think. And so read that article later today, um, you know, and, and then in 2024, you've got two of the best tackle prospects in the country. I, I think they're underrated right now when I look at the 2024 rankings, uh, especially Cam Pringle from Woodland. Uh, they don't make them like him. <laughs> Josiah Thompson as well. Both are crystal ball to the Gamecocks. Uh, so those of you that are consistently worried about the offensive line, you know, hope. There's hope there, I guess. Uh, and, and, look, the Gamecocks do need more true tackle types. Uh, Marquee may be a guard, maybe a tackle. I don't know. I, I think tackle right now. Uh, and then you got those two tackles. Uh, and, look, this is probably not going to impact the program until – Oh, shoot, 2026, 2027, something like that. Uh, but, um, you know, there's help on the way locally. How about that? Uh, when it comes to the offensive line and recruiting and all that good stuff, the Gamecocks are in excellent shape uh, in that department. Um, Sam Riddles, uh, wide receiver, speedy guy from Alabama, has hit the portal. That's not a surprise to me. Gamecocks working towards that 85 limit. I think they're almost there. Uh, the numbers always work out. But, you know, Sam had some injuries, never really got going. Uh, wasn't a bad take. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, you take him because of his speed and then see what happens, uh, you know, and, and how you can, you know, you can't coach speed. And so, I mean, I didn't have a problem with the take during it was during the pandemic and, you know, hey, they need a receiver. So, uh, but he's out, uh, you know, and that that position as a whole, uh, Trey Atkins also hit the portal. Uh, walk on, who got a scholarship. Uh, you know, Trey could probably go somewhere and play, just to be honest. I, I think that, you know, when he was on the field, he was productive uh, for Carolina. Uh, maybe he needs to go somewhere that's, uh, you know, you, you can go out there and get a lot of reps and, and see if you can do it consistently. Um, I just think South Carolina with – Rucker coming in, and you got Amarian Brown stepping up, Xavier Leggett stepping up. Um, you know, Mega Blake is still there. He's down the way, down the list of ways. Uh, you have Antoine Wells. You know, you've got Josh Van back. 
um, to Karen Joyner. I mean, you know, it's just you, you, at some point, especially Atkins, you, you know, where are you going to play? Where are you going to play? Speaking of people named Atkins, uh, I think I mentioned this. Um, the son of Greg Atkins has committed. He's going to be a scholarship tight end from East Tennessee State. Uh, another portal addition. Uh, I like the fact this kid's going to play fullback for Carolina. They'll play some tight end. You know, tight end, uh, you look at it because, you know, you, they're not going to use Jaheim Bell as much as a true tight end as they did last year. And Marcus Satterfield, fortunately, has been on the record about that. I think if you look at the bowl game and kind of how he was used in the bowl, and really, really it's kind of a bookend deal with him because – you look at how he's used in the bowl, and then you look at how he's used against Eastern Illinois at the beginning of the year. That's kind of the idea. I don't know what happened in the uh, in the middle portion of the season, <laughs> but uh, you, you know that's not an attached tight end type thing. That's, that's a wide back like uh, the Debo Samuel usage with the 49ers this past year. Boy, they're trying to hold on to him, aren't they? Uh, and so if you look at it. You know, yes, you have Trey Kenyon. And, yes, Chad Terrell, who's 230 pounds, could get in there and catch some passes, and you can design some plays for him to make plays. Uh, and you got Stogner coming in. Uh, but if Bell is going to be moved all around and you don't want to sacrifice that, you know, you need another body out there, you know, especially at that attached kind of you know, go block position. You know, and then you got Wyatt Campbell, and, and Wyatt certainly is a guy that can – go in and block or whatever. Um, but I think you needed somebody else, somebody older. And uh, I, I thought safety or tight end uh, probably would be if they took another portal guy, the next portal guy, you know, maybe another wide receiver if a great one came up. But uh, I, uh, you know, I look at it and I'm like, well, that's probably smart just because, you know, Number one, this offense uses tight ends quite a bit. Number two, you need some blockers. I think Trey Kenyon's come a million miles and is playing well. Uh, but, you know, injuries, you got to account for and all that. I mean, what, what you don't want to have happen is you have a couple of guys getting knocked out and then, you know, you're, you're sitting there trying to block and, and, and establish a run game and, and all that, and you don't have the bodies to do it. And, and I also think – you know, with Austin Stogner specifically, you know, it'd be a waste if you played him like Nick Muse all year next year, I think. I think he needs to be out wide and things like that, move him around, play him attached, this, that, and the other. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but Reynolds is in the portal. Uh, they're about under the number. Uh, Adkins is in from East Tennessee State. Uh, there's some film of him late in the game at ETSU. They're driving and trying to win the game. He made two great catches. I mean, he's, you know, being a coach's kid and all that, he's probably probably tough as nails, is my guess. Greg Atkins' son is probably tough as nails. Uh, and so that's good. You know, we all remember Adam Prentice. I think he's in the NFL now as a fullback. And, you know, in that weird 2020 year, he was, he was you know, important. You know, he kind of – Paved the way. So exciting that, that he's going to play some fullback and, you know, kind of be a guy that uh, – utility guy that you can use in the scheme of the offense this year. Congrats to former Gamecock Rick Sanford, introduced to the South Carolina Hall of Fame. Um, First-round pick, I mentioned Rock Hill earlier from Rock Hill, South Carolina, Dr. Rick. Uh, been on his radio shows from time to time. 
Uh, I wouldn't say I know him well, but I know him well enough to, to say congrats to him. Uh, ultimately, one of the better Gamecock players kind of maybe even started that the, the, the modern era run of defensive backs here. Because uh, you can go in from him in the 80s and 70s, 80s, and then, you know, you had Norman Floyd and Brad Edwards with those Morrison teams all the way up through, you know, Sheldon Brown, Andre Goodman, and then it went from there. Uh, probably more in the 2000s than uh, previously, but, uh, you know, he is, I think, the first one uh, to get drafted early as a DB, and no surprise, out of Rock Hill. Uh, also want to send my deepest uh, condolences uh, from Nat and I, and uh, really from everybody at the Big Spur podcast or whatever I do to the family of Benji Norton, uh, Columbia radio host used to be on 1075 the game. Uh, more of a you know, a, D, he's a very popular DJ, and uh, I know he's a Clemson fan, and uh, or wasn't you know, I, I know that some game guy fans didn't care for his uh, orange tinted takes, uh, but that's sports and this is life. And he was a good guy, uh, a good man, and gone way too soon. And uh, heart goes out to his family, thoughts and prayers to his family. Uh, that's a tragedy. And uh, I know a lot of people in the Columbia radio uh, industry and uh, heart goes out to them too. They're, they're, it's a sad day uh, or it was a sad, sad piece of news with, with Benji Norton passing. And so just want to, you know, if you guys pray, those of you that pray out there, say a little prayer for his family and hopefully he's up in heaven playing some rock and roll, right? Um, anyway, baseball. Still alive, staying alive, staying alive. Uh, sweep, swept the Crimson Tide of Alabama. So that's uh, that's good news. Um, I know Alabama's not great, but after being swept by Auburn in a brutal manner down there, you know, coming back, winning all three of these, that that's clutch for this team, this program. You know, they had the week off and no midweek game. Midweek game's certainly been an adventure this year. Uh, so, you know, maybe that got them a little refocused, you know, you're kind of going into that period. I think final exams are over and maybe not completely over, but it, it's about graduation time. And so I'll, I'll just focus on playing ball. Um, and they still got a shot at the NCAA tournament. If they don't make it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but still alive. So and that's, that's, I mean, that's what you, all you can ask for. Uh, is at this point after everything that's happened on the field and the embarrassing losses and the not so embarrassing losses to good teams, and the struggles, uh, you know, being in positions pretty good. Now, I continue to believe that, you know, you're not going to get a lot of credit based on the body of work if you're Mark Kingston for just being in position. You, you need to go make it. That's the standard of this program. It always has been, always will be. But they're alive. So not a lot of negative talk about the baseball team this week. And hopefully they continue to, to get it moving and, you know, get in a regional. And that's, you know, we may think that, no, that's not, it looks like mission impossible uh, with a 22 and 20 record right now. And, and maybe it is, but, you know, you still got nine more SEC games um, at A&M this week. Yeah, North Carolina A&T on Wednesday. Then at AM, and then a game against Upstate, and then three against Kentucky at home, 
and then at the and then Charlotte, and then at the end at Florida. Can the Gamecocks go six and two, or sorry, six and three, in their last SEC? You know, to get to fifteen and fifteen in the league. Can they beat North Carolina A and T and Charlotte and Upstate? To finish it out at nine and three, which would give them thirty-one and twenty-five record and five hundred in the SEC. Would the RPI be high enough at that point? Would they need to win at Hoover? Lots of good questions there, right? Um, but the bottom line is they're in possession, and so you know we'll see kind of how that happens. Those of you that have not heard, uh, and I don't think there are many of you, uh, JB and Goldwater signed off on Friday for the final time. They had Shane Beamer on uh, for their final uh, episode. I think that was or one of the final. Maybe, maybe it was Thursday. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's Thursday's episode. But Shane joined them, and I thought that was big. Uh, nice of, of, of Coach Beamer to do. You know, I've known Shane a long time, and, you know, that's just classic Shane, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I'm going to miss doing that show, guys, because – that that was one area where I felt like or one interview that I did consistently every week segment, I guess not an interview segment, uh, where I felt I could totally be myself and people liked it. And uh, that's always very fulfilling when, when you do what I do, uh, you know, kind of mixing some some comedy with some analysis. I don't get into the comedy weeds too much with you guys here because I know, hey, this is a podcast. Uh, you guys, the only complaint I ever hear about the podcast is we want more podcasts. We want more cowbell. Remember that Saturday Night Live sketch? Yeah, I just threw something in there. It's supposed to be funny. Probably not. Uh, and, and so I feel like I need to give you guys the straight up analysis, scoop, Gamecocks. You know, and that's fine. Uh, that segment, we did that, but we also were funny. And uh, it was a uh, it was a fun time, you know, and, and I have I've made friends with those guys and other people through that show. And I'll personally never forget it. Now, what happens with that slot? What happens with that time slot? That's interesting, right? That's interesting. Maybe, uh, maybe there's room to kind of carry the torch and, you know, have a live show. What would you guys think about that? Inside the Gamecocks two hour live show every day. If that did happen, hypothetically, and I don't know that it will, uh, it's something I'm certainly kicking around. You know, it'd be Monday through Friday, a couple hours, Gamecock focus, but for two hours, you know, we probably talk about college football and college sports in general a little more. Uh, probably that narrow of a focus. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like JB and Goldwater where, you know, in other words, I'm talking to College of Charleston's coaches and Citadel and and all that, because it's just not something I'm connected with and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be good at it. Uh, but you know, the live stream you know, the, the chats, all that. So what would happen in that situation with this podcast? That would be the question. Uh, and what would happen would be this podcast would become an early morning, 6 a.m., 15, 15 to 30 minute daily kind of roundup. Uh, so the podcast would remain, it would go to a shorter format, uh, and then you'd have the longer two-hour show later. Um you know, which is what I would do. And there's a lot of podcasts on the 24 seven sports network that do kind of have that daily format and, and they're popular um, because man, you, you can listen to something like that on your way to work, you know, depending on how long your commute is. Now, some, some of you that have an hour commute are going to 
you know, not like it because it doesn't fill up your whole hour, but, uh, you know, never fear. There'll be a two hour, she says two and a half hours of content, you know, that, that could possibly happen now, you know, not, not promising it. I, I'd love your feedback. If you want to send me inside the game, at gmail.com, which is also, uh, the email for the iHelp consulting mailbag. Tell me what you think. Uh, I think it'd probably be something I'd enjoy. It's a lot of work. Um, I've got an idea of how to monetize it, you know, make a little extra money for doing it. Uh, love our sponsors here, you know, and we'll probably take some of them with or all of them with me and, uh, you know, maybe get a couple more. So that's, uh, we got a new sponsor, by the way, of uh, this podcast, Tony Pope State Farm Insurance. And you're going to hear a commercial uh, in the middle for Tony Pope. Um, Tony, uh, by the way, if you're looking to kind of bundle and get a good rate, and great service on any insurance you've got. Uh, they've also got financial products, anything like that. Uh, give Tony a call. And, and Tony can write insurance in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia. So those of you in Atlanta, maybe you don't like your local agent or whatever. You want to help out a good Gamecock. Uh, Tony Pope, that's your guy. Uh, and you'll hear the commercial here later. All right. So that's, uh, got, I got the girlfriend's birthday. That's news, right? <laughs> Rick Sanford, all that good stuff. Uh, the baseball game on, on Wednesday is SEC Network. I guess it's a regular SEC Network um, versus North Carolina A&T. So it's not streaming. It's, it's on your television. Uh, first pitch, 7 p.m. against the North Carolina A&T Aggies. Uh, and then it's out to the other Aggies. So you got four Aggies this week, right? Yep, you do. Four games against the Aggies. Uh, so we'll see sort of what happens uh, out there. Well, that series in College Station is relatively big, right? So anyway. All right, switching to the analysis segment of our podcast. And the analysis segment's brought to you by the best realtor in the upstate, Cindy Searfoss. Uh, been looking, and, and if you follow us on social media, at Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram, if you follow the Big Spur uh, on Instagram, you've seen some Cindy advertisements. She's had some open houses, uh, moving and shaking, doing a lot of things. Uh, and this uh, segment's brought to you by her, Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate, right in my hometown of Spartanburg, married to a diehard Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate over 35 years, can help you with all your real estate needs. It's still crazy out there. So contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email her, ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Right there, Daniel Morgan Avenue, my hometown of Sparkle City. Cindy, good upstate person, Spartanburg, Greenville, Cherokee Union, wherever you're at in the upstate, she can help you. 864-414-5271. Tell JC sent you. Check out her open houses. If you're in the market to sell or buy, Cindy is the person you need to contact. And uh, please continue to support uh, Gamecock-owned and operated businesses. Now, if you have a friend or a family member that's a Clemson fan that has a business, I'm not telling you not to do business with your friends and family, <laughs> or, or even if you just respect the business. You know, I, I think sometimes, you know, I mentioned life earlier, we get carried away with the rivalry. I'm not doing any business. With the, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't get into all that. Just want to clarify when I say support Gamecock owned and operated businesses, that's true, but I'm not saying, you know, 
<laughs> don't spend your money with people you like that pull for the other team. How about that? Uh, so anyway, support my sponsors. How about that? You know, it'll get from there. So uh, analysis. All right. So two big topics that have been out there, actually three, because uh, I'm going to talk about the article I have coming out uh, as far as where the talent comes from. But I'm going to start with this. The first big topic has been NIL. And we've talked about NIL here a lot, uh, almost to death. You guys know I've got a collective I've started, Carolina Rise. Uh, as far as an update on that, uh, I've, you know, we've got donations and members uh, coming in. We still got some space. First 100, get a swag bag, right? Uh, still got some space under that number. Uh, but we, we've kind of just set it up through PayPal right now and, you know, look, let's be honest, not everybody likes PayPal, myself included. Um, but it's easy to get the recurrings going there and to, to donate once or whatever, and then that's fine. Uh, but we also have a full website launching, uh, which is done, 98% done, uh, but getting that payment processor up to where it's easy and seamless uh, for all you guys to go join uh, using your credit card, not having to use PayPal, uh, all that good stuff. That's that's a process, and um, it's probably a process that uh, I, you know, having started the Big Spur with the same kind of deal in 07, it was kind of tricky for me and Keith when we started the the Big Spur as an independent. Uh, so I'm probably not surprised. It's it's been tricky. Uh, I do have the right guy on it, Daniel Owens of of I Help Consulting. So that's that's the delay. Um, but things are going well. I, I, I do have higher expectations uh, because right now I'm getting more inquiries about deals for student athletes uh, than there's money coming in. So, you know, that's uh, but for a soft launch, you know, with no promotion other than on the big spur to a PayPal link, uh, I couldn't be happier. And so that's uh, that's kind of the situation there. Uh, for NIL, but so we have a lot of discussion about this because, you know, I, th I think a lot of time, a lot of fan bases, this thing scares the crap out of. And then a lot of fan bases, it's almost empowered them. But that, that's part of being a fan, you know, uh, especially when it's not your money. You know, you're a Tennessee fan and you may have given $20 to the, the collective up there. And they're paying $8 million, You're fired up, right? That's $20 well spent. Uh, nobody's paying eight million in South Carolina uh, or most places. Uh, I did take note of a new Gator Collective uh, down at Florida. That's I call it the High Roller Room because a guy uh, shoot his name escapes me, but he's a big booster. He gave twelve point six million straight to the university for things like facilities and things like that at Florida, uh, and then started this collective with seven figures. And I think he's getting his buddies to to kick it in and, and all that. And, you know, that's, uh, that kind of seems to be the Billy Napier way down there so far. Let's just spend a bunch of money. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, you know, if you're Florida and you're kind of wondering why uh, Alabama has got what Alabama does and, and all that, Georgia's built what they've got, you know, they've invested in other ways you know, to their facilities, to their off the field programs and, you know, whatever's been legal, Georgia and Alabama have ponied up, you know, and when Kirby got to Georgia, that, that's one of the things he, 
needed to kind of get going was that budget. And they're spending more. And then Alabama, of course, has always set the standard. That's where Kirby came from. Napier was there too. Uh, so that kind of seems to be the plan in Gainesville. Let's just outspend people. And University of Florida certainly has a uh, a wealth of resources. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, that they're just now coming to this realization. So that got people going. So what about South Carolina? Okay, so behind the scenes, I've been doing some research on cost of NIL deals. They're all over the map, man. There's some guys that, that are great players that make out 500 a month off of it. Uh, some guys that are not make a little more. Uh, South Carolina has done a great job as far as what's allowed to be done right now within the university of setting guys up with opportunity or not setting guys up with opportunities. They're not allowed to do that, but. It, it, encouraging, educating guys on, on what they can do, um, right, within the rules. Uh, and so a lot of guys, I mean, and, and I think this, if I had my way, this would kind of be the focus of NIL, right? Uh, like these guys that set up their own clothing lines, that run their own camps, that do their own autograph sessions, or that do it through a thing like the Garnet Trust, which I'm not in competition with, by the way. People kind of assume that. Uh, you know, I, I think not the guys that run it like Brian and Chris and Wes, but some of their little fans over there tend to want to, you know, think it's a competition, right? But it's not. We're doing something a lot different. Uh, but I've been doing research on it. And, and so, look, here's the bottom line. Let's get brass tacks here. Uh, and this is just mine. Now, I don't, I don't know. There could be a third collective out there somewhere. Hopefully it's a high roller collective because, because, you know, like I'm all about South Carolina. I'm not looking at numbers for my own thing. Like I said, I'm not making any money off of it, you know? So if, uh, you know, whatever, you know, if I, if I, uh, you know, if I have a bunch of smaller deals, that's great. That still contributes to, um, you know, the greater good. And that, that's why I did it for the university of South Carolina, not for me. Um, I do think it's a heck of a logo, though, and I do like the gear we have coming. So, uh, and by the way, when we do sell gear for Carolina Rise, 100% goes to the players, and I'm not making any profit off of that either. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's the deal. So, so I figured it out. You know, I looked at the numbers uh, of our paying members on the Big Spur and this audience for the podcast and not all of you are big spur members and so I, I took that number down a little bit with an estimation if everybody gave an average and an average now i mean not everybody's going to be able to give this right and i completely understand that uh, we got a lot of 10 15 donations per month that i'm thrilled that we have but if everybody that's a member and listens and you know all that gave an average of 50 bucks a month 50 uh on average right south carolina is going to have no problems uh south carolina uh carolina rise will have no problems uh with some of these numbers that are floating around right now it's an issue you know don't get caught up in the seven figure stuff uh that is a rare occurrence um as far as uh players go Right. 
Uh, now, there's some players, I think, on Carolina's roster, women's basketball and football, that are making seven figures. Spencer, I, I would be surprised if Spencer Rattler isn't uh, pulling in seven figures, given his gear and all that. He's got an agent. And all, but, but, but that's Spencer Rattler, you know. And that guy's kind of been on the radar for this type of stuff for a long time. And I think it's good for Carolina that, that, that he is, because I think that guy – can kind of show you that you can come to school here and make bank, which just seems to be the topic of conversation these days. Uh, so that's that's kind of the idea. So, you know, tell your friends. I mean, I, that's not, to me, for Game Cognition, uh, that's not an unachievable goal. You know, that's not, you know, because you, you kind of think about it. Some people are going to be able to give more. I mean, I got, you know, we got a $2,000 donation the other day. Uh, so that pulls the $20 ones up. And I, I honestly believe that average is a, is a good average to start with. Hopefully it'd be higher. If it's higher than, I mean, you're talking a lot more. You're, you're talking up in, uh, you know, Clemson's raised, what, 5.5 million. You're talking about something along those lines uh, for NIL deals. Uh, but, you know, just looking at the numbers and kind of the general consensus out there, you know, that's a good goal to reach 50, you know, everybody in the audience, you know, and some are going to be zeros, right? <laughs> but everybody in my audience on the website and on the podcast, you know, chips it, you know, on average 50 a month, that's, that's going to, that's going to cover a lot. Um, I also think that taking it off of the, you know, give me money or give my collective money thing, <laughs> which I don't like doing, uh, you know, but uh, I'll do it. I've been doing it. Um, as far as competing goes, and I'm going to say this, that right now, and this is right now, look, look, guys, this, this thing could change and it could end up being that you have to have a payroll and, you know, all that to compete. But right now it's sort of fractured, uh, for every one of these big time splash Miami deals or Tennessee deals or good Lord, what's happening with Jordan Addison from Pitt and Southern Cal. Um, which by the way, you want to play seven figures on an NIL deal to a guy, Jordan Addison's the guy you need to go get, you know, <laughs> not a high school guy. Uh, Cause that guy's a stud and he's probably worth it, you know, and in the LA media market, you know, he can probably, it's the same reason LeBron James wouldn't sign with the Lakers, uh, at the time, because he was talking about doing other things and visibility or things he couldn't do in Cleveland. Um, you know, and in those places, LA, Miami, you know, they're gonna, you know, I guess if you tied Nashville to Knoxville, that would be another place, but you know, they're gonna pretty good in the health things. Now, look, I'll say this big game boomer who loves lists and don't always agree with his list. Uh, he did say South Carolina was um, you know, number 16 in the country as far as NIL opportunities go. Uh, and so, hey, yeah, that's good. And Shane Beamer talks about it all the time. Columbia, Columbia media market, no pro sports to compete with the, for those dollars, uh, that type of thing. So it should make sense. It's just right now, uh, I think everybody's just sort of wondering, well, what do we need to do? You know, what's what what's you know? And then I think some other people sort of think that you know, let's see what happens with it, and then I'll get. And, and that's just not how it works. I mean, it, it's not a show me. This, this is, you know, coaches, uh, players, you know, season tickets, you know, that, that kind of thing. That's legit show me. This is, 
you know, if you have too many shummies, you're never going to get anywhere. And, and I'm meaning that like my collective, any other collectives that are out there, Garnet Trust, whatever. The Game Guy fans, it's not, this is not a, yeah, let's see what happens. Because if there's too many people that do that, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> uh, that's just how it is. Um, so, so there you go with that, um, with that part of it. Uh, I also think this, I, I think if you're, if you're a program like South Carolina, um, that's not, and I, and I honestly, God, guys, I, is it a good idea to have a recruiting class where you fork out 20 million? I mean, the athletic thinks it is. I don't, you know, I, I think that's going to be problematic. <laughs> uh, when you, when you've got that kind of money going to high school kids, not that, you know, when they get to college and they're great players and, you know, they're actually, you know, cause the whole argument is these are, these guys produce revenue and they do. Well, you know, you have to really look at it with a freshman, how much revenue is he really producing? Now, and I also supposed to be separate, supposed to be about your name, image, likeness. And I suppose if you're a, a freshman that's got a big rep through recruiting, you, you know, you, you have the right to cash in on that. But that's not what the collective at Tennessee is talking about. They're talking about a payroll. You know, so I just don't know. I think you do have to develop in the sport still. And I don't know that millionaire 18-year-olds will put in the work. Some will, some won't. And I'll give you a – here's a test case study. I have never seen a defensive line class on paper like Texas A&M's. The whole time I've followed recruiting, I've never seen anything like it, you know. Maybe there's been some at, at Bama or ah, shoot, Clemson had a good one 20 years ago that was full of two stars, and they all ended up paying at Philip Merling and Gaines Adams. You know, certainly we've seen great defensive lines around the SEC year in and year out, right? Never seen anything on paper like AMs. Nothing. Not even close. I mean, it is a ridiculous. D-line class, and they've added to it. They've had guys reclassify, and they're coming in. I mean, they, they had, you know, probably because of all these changes, people aren't talking enough about the class A&M side, right? Now, it's interesting because the Aggies, and again, Mike Morgan and I always talk about it. There's money and there's oil money, right? And price of oil is up. So, you know, the Aggies – you know, they haven't even talked about their collective. They, they haven't even disclosed the name of it, <laughs> which I think is kind of smart, right? They just kind of got together. But but look, you know, lots of four- and five-star guys here. You know, you've got one, two, three, four five-stars uh, in this class, a bunch of fours. Uh, but look, Texas A&M, is the fighting Texas Aggies, right? And the majority of their class is still from Texas, 16 kids. But look where these guys are from. Lakeland, Florida, Scottsdale, Arizona, Powell, Tennessee, Opelika, Florida, Alpharetta, Georgia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And then they got two guys, the lowest rated DNs in the class from Katy, Texas and Argyle, Texas. Um, let's say all these guys got NIL deals. You know, they're all bigger guys. You know, defensive linemen have to come in and work. I don't care how talented you are. You know, uh, you got to get in and 
you know, because there's a Jordan Davis sitting out there that's going to put in the work that's going to just be better than you if you don't. This is a test study, uh, assuming that this is all about NIL. And, you know, I, no offense to Texas A&M, but usually 95% of their players come from Texas. Uh, Jimbo's done a little bit better job going outside of the state and getting guys, but nothing like – I've never seen anything like this at A&M or any of the Texas schools, really, because they're so Texas-focused. Um, this is a freak show. Right. Athletically, I mean, you got Walter Nolan, number two player in the country. And then you got uh, Levis Overton, the number five player in the country, who was the number one player for 2024, I think. Um, you had lengthy edge rusher in White from Philly. And you got Shamar Stewart, who was number one overall from uh, South Florida for a while, and he's number nine overall. Uh, Anthony Lucas is a top 60 player. Gabriel Brown Denny out of Lakeland, Florida, right? I wonder if the Gators are starting to collect. <laughs> but watch, it, watch these guys. Now, now look, realistically, out of these eight, A&M only needs four of them to really be as good as their ranking, to be great, right? But watch them. See what happens over the, over the coming years. Uh, watch how these guys develop. You know, like I said, the numbers here may be so great that we're all thankful that the SEC did add Texas and Oklahoma and A&M's off the schedule every year uh, because that, that'll be what happens when they realign. The Gamecocks aren't going to play the Aggies forever. Um, but, but, man, you know, <laughs> uh, let's say they don't want to pay it out. There's your case study, you know. I think there are other schools that – you know, maybe don't have Jimbo Fisher and, and some guys that can kind of navigate it. Uh, that may be in some, you know, that, that may be a better case study. But right now, assuming NIL is one of the reasons they put this class together, Jimbo denies it, but that's fine. Um, you know, watch these guys, uh, see what, see if they pan out or not. And, and as I said, uh, it may be that half of them do and half of them don't. You know, it's still a good number, but then you got to look at who and, and why and, and all that. So some questions, you know. Like I said, on paper, I've never seen anything like this defensive line-wise. It's brilliant because you got to have a good defensive line to compete in the SEC. Uh, but uh, but watch that. So I think if you're South Carolina, you got to play smart. And the schools that are going to be that are going to help themselves with NIL and are going to be able to navigate this are going to be the ones that play it smart. I, I don't think that you can sit there, you know, and over promise or, or, you know, have a situation where you have a guy that, that you need to sign to an NIL bill early in his career. That's wanting an astronomical amount of money that, you know, you can go and, you know, another guy in the class or, or whoever, you know, is better and, and is coming for the scholarship. You know, I think if South Carolina, you know, with, with regards to, you know, early players in their career with NIL, I, I think in-state is a big focus. Because what you don't want to have happen is a guy from South Carolina that would really benefit from going to South Carolina and developing and all that, you know, starts to see green somewhere else and, and goes and get, takes his money right away. Uh, you, you, there's not enough players in the state. I mean, and look, man, I keep waiting for it to come back. 
somebody out there, tell me why. You know, I've heard a lot of different things that, that I can't confirm, and I don't want to sit there and, you know, repeat, but, you know, just from repeat like it's fact, it may not be fact, uh, from college coaches and whatnot, or I'm sorry, high school coaches and whatnot about the, uh, the high school football in the state, about maybe, oh, goodness gracious, A&M's the crystal ball leader for the number one player in Texas. Uh, for 2023 and guess what he's a defensive lineman wow the wrecking crew is back folks nah uh but there's not enough players in the state and that's been said a lot over the years but but now i'm just like for the last few cycles it, it, you know and i think south Carolina's gonna there'll be two or three guys that come to camp like emin Ware and horton last year and, and demetrius watson who come out of nowhere, the Gamecocks take, will probably be pretty good players. That happens in the state every year. But, but man, you look at it, and it's like there's three guys right now, and they're all good, Marky Anderson, Xavier McLeod, and Montague Reigns. Um, you know, you got Raheem Jeter and Cam Jackson from Spartanburg going to West Virginia. Lenore Sellers is going to Syracuse. Grayson Loftus, uh, a quarterback. There's You know, we actually got three quarterbacks in the state going – power five, but he's going to do. So, and then you got Monroe Freeling at the top, who's an out-of-state guy, you know, essentially. Um, I may go to Clemson, probably North Carolina, though. Um, there's three guys, guys, in the state. Uh, you throw in Eliza Davis, uh, who's from, I believe, Wagner Sally, who's at uh, East Mississippi Junior College. That's four. Four major targets from out-of-state. You, you sign – 25, 26, you know, what, however many, right? So it's critical that you keep these guys at home because, you know, what you're doing essentially is, you know, you're, if you lose one of these guys, you're probably not getting the type of quality you need on paper or, or you know, you guys know what I'm saying. It won't be high, as highly ranked, highly regarded, whatever. And, and that's not always a hard and fast rule that, you know, that oh, that's a lesser player, but, you know, it adds up over time when you lose guys from the state, you know. Uh, it, 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 Georgia's going to come in and get some guys from time to time. It's out of South Carolina, Channing Tindall. And, and then Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney obviously went to Georgia, but, you know, he and uh, oh, the kid from Sumter, the other kid from Justice Moon who went to Florida, you know, those guys – it was during a period of crazy transition and a pandemic. And it, it shoot, I don't know what Muschamp and those guys being on the hot seat could have done, you know, to prevent that from happening. So, so when you have a coaching transition, sure, your, your people are going to come in and get your guys. But, you know, with NIL, you know, as when you're talking about players early in their career, you know, you got to make sure that the in-state guys know that there are opportunities, you know, similar to what they may get out of state, you know, quarterbacks, that kind of thing. You know, you've got somebody at a position that you like, but you think there's probably three or four better or, or just as good that you can get. You know, I, I just don't think that some huge NIL thing uh, is appropriate, especially when you're dealing with, you know, I don't know. You got to play money ball a little bit. I think at most schools. Um, 
And I think it's going to affect a lot of schools. You know, I think that, uh, you know, you'll have certain types of kids that, that are just going to come. And you got certain types of kids that, that maybe have expectations beyond, you know, their value that may have those pretty star rankings behind their name and that you just, you know, you, you're, you're like, I'm out <laughs> uh, or whatever uh, in terms of early career opportunities. Um, and then, you know, you've got some guys that, that are going to just kind of be normal, run-of-the-mill situations. Um, you know, and all that said, I, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about recruits signing NIL deals. I'm talking about the presented opportunity, uh, which is what most of this is. You know, you, you get the agent thing in Miami was ridiculous, especially with the other guy coming out and saying he, he wanted to leave and then having to clear. I mean, that, that kind of stuff I think can really damage your program in any sport, basketball or football. And I'm talking primarily football right now as far as the money ball thing. Basketball is a different animal. You know, honestly – Everybody around here, if you want a winning men's basketball program, you know, it's up to NIL. It's really going to be an NIL thing. Uh, that's just the way that sport's gone. Uh, I, I don't think that, you know, and, and I've said this before, too. The days of the savior coach, savior AD, savior this, savior that, that's over at South Carolina. You know, there, there's not going to be another Steve Spurrier that walks in. Um, there just isn't. I mean, it's just times have even changed, you know, to that point. Um, not that Carolina can't make a big name higher in a sport, because that's not true either, you know. But uh, we're kind of, you know, that happened. Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier did come here and take the jobs. They were here a combined 16 years, right? And they, I think – both those guys combined, especially Spurrier, Lou kind of Lou kind of laid some groundwork, got it relevant again, and then Spurrier took it to that level. You know, those guys did a great job, but you know that's not happening again. And what you don't want to do is get in a situation like basketball where you're consistently trying to replace McGuire, uh, and then nothing works, and it, it, the program erodes over time. Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for that to happen in football. Basketball, you know, doesn't get the support football does, right? Uh, so it's going to be hard for that to happen. But, you know, I, I, I want to stress that, you know, for those out there, you know, that are big fans and, you know, that have expectations and, and all that, that, you know, things have changed and I'm talking about right now because they could change again in three months. But if you're expecting a coach to be the answer to being competitive at the highest level of the sec, that's not ever happening again. Cause I don't care who you go get and who you go hire and how much money you pay them. If they can't get players, it's not going to happen. You know, if the state starts hemorrhaging what little talent there is and uh, gosh, I'm just so disappointed that 20, I thought 2023 on paper looked good because, you know, Freeling and Anderson and McLeod or, and Reigns were all identified early. Plus those quarterbacks. Um, now you just kind of look at it and you're like, man, you know, now we're in an eval period. So there may be some guys that, that pop up, 
But yeah, anyway, if anybody out there, you know, because I heard something, it was something about spring practice and something about year round weightlifting or like the high school league had restricted it. I may be wrong on that. So, so somebody send me an email. If you're a high school football coach out there or something, tell me what you're dealing with with regards to the governing body because uh, we can get that changed. You know, hopefully, you know, the power of persuasion, right? Uh, I don't know that that's the case. I just know that. Looking back through the draft, you know, I, I look back and I'm like, well, there were a lot of inst- – I mean, South Carolina and Clemson used to battle for like 11, 12 guys in the state. And now it's just not like that anymore. And, I, you know, part of me thinks maybe the, the state's not recruited as heavily or, or recruiting analysts don't live there. And then you, you kind of have a vacuum because Clemson is national now and, and, and you know, so you don't have both schools with offers, which is a big box to check or whatever. I, but I just, I just don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm looking at it and it's, it's been sort of dry. It's been sort of dry. And uh, moving to my next thing about uh, the areas of the state, Rock Hill has been sort of dry. You know, when's the, when's the lot? I mean, they got a mega Blake. Uh, there was a kid that I really liked to play corner that signed with Syracuse out of Rock Hill. They've had some guys go here and there, but you, you don't have the, you know, year in and year out, you know, stud parade that you've had in Rock Hill over the years. So that's interesting to me. Very interesting. Now, are they just missing guys up there? Are there no guy? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, And so that's kind of the next part, you know, this article that's out on thebigspur.com. You know, you have, uh, you have uh, your breakdown here. And uh, what I think is good about recruiting South Carolina is you do have guys from all over the state. I mean, there's not a region of the state that you go, ah, probably not that good. (laughs) They pop up all over the place. And I think that's good considering it's a small state and all that. You know, you you may go years without having a guy, say, from Aiken or North Augusta, but then one pops up or two pop up. You may have a a year where, you know, Oconee, Pickens, Greenville, Anderson, they don't have – a lot of guys, and then you pop up. There's three at Daniel. There's one at Tiohanna, you know. I mentioned Rock Hill, the PD, Myrtle Beach. The, I mean, the, those areas all go to Charleston, Buford. Not going to mention Hilton Head, but, uh, you know, if you if you include Rock Hill in the Midlands, which I, I don't understand. I mean, I, you know, I guess I get it. I guess I call it the Northern Midlands. <laughs> Uh, and I don't want to call it Greater Charlotte. So I, lo- I looked at this map with the regions of South Carolina. Uh, I got the one with the least amount of regions, just so we could have numbers. So the Midlands, including Rock Hill, when you talk about number of in-state Gamecocks drafted, right? Uh, that's kids that went to high school in South Carolina, that played for South Carolina, that got drafted. And I included Israel McWamu in this because he only spent one year in Louisiana. And most of his career was at Berkeley and Monk's Corner. So in the middle is 13, the PD, eight. The, uh, that includes the Grand Strand, the upstate, eight. And then the low country, Charleston, Buford, uh, was seven. But I think it's a nice balance. You know, I was like, there's 36 guys drafted. And, and look, I, 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 I'm sorry I didn't mention this. I took the last 15 drafts. I started covering recruiting nationally. Uh, in 04, and so around 07-ish is when I was kind of more familiar with the guys. I probably could have gone back a little further, but, you know, I, I did go back to 02 
when, uh, or maybe O2, maybe not, when we were talking about, no, no, I'm sorry, I, I've flubbed this up. This article has last 20 years, right? Since O2. Uh, I, the article I wrote on Saturday was the last 15 because I was I went back and gave some inside info on the recruitments and stuff like that. Scroll down there really. Um, so that's the deal there, you know. And, and so the good news is about recruiting South Carolina is you have a wide geographic, you know, I guess area, you know, to get things done. You know, so NIL has been a, been a pretty big topic. The transfer portal has also uh, sort of been a big topic lately. Um, and we're going to take a short break now. And uh, I told you about Tony Pope State Farm Insurance. And we'll hear from him now. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right. Even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back inside the Gamecast podcast. Uh, so that's uh, that's the deal there. Uh, and that's been kind of a hot topic uh, on the message board, NIL, and all that good stuff. The draft has been pretty good. The next is the silent commits. Now, look, Beamer addressed this. I've addressed this. We've all addressed this. I, I don't understand why there's angst and consternation over it other than general impatience, which in today's internet world happens. Look, there's never been – all right, so Will Muschamp started tweeting out Spurs up whenever they got a commitment, right? Spur, that staff didn't really do anything like that. And there was never a Spurs up that didn't go public. Now, Will, I think, waited until the day a kid was going to announce and go public or whatever, and that was his philosophy. Shane Beamer has a different philosophy. As soon as a guy commits, he's tweeting welcome home. And then sometimes it's months down the road. I mean, this this cycle in particular, because the Gamecocks are sitting there, and you, you, you always want to look at that commit list. You know, oh, it's pretty. You know, you got all these stars. Oh, man, we're doing good, whatever. I understand that. And when you look at it, it's blank, and you're, you, you, you don't even have a rank. You're like, NR. <laughs> and you got some, you know, because people are stressed for content right now. You got some people saying, these guys are not off to a good start, whatever, which isn't true. Um, so there's three silent commits, and, and, that, and there's speculation on the message board that, oh, they're waiting for NIL deals or whatever. That's nah, not the case. Now, as I've said, there's a first time for everything. Uh, there's never been a Spurs up that didn't go public. There's never been a welcome home that didn't eventually go public, and sometimes you have waited for months for that to happen. Uh, and I can tell you the coaching staff isn't worried about those three um, at all. So I, in my opinion, uh, you know, it's much ado about nothing. Uh, and, you know, that's not to say that it, it won't change. Uh, you know, and I know that 
you know, for the perspective of a fan, it, it, you know, that's followed recruiting, this kind of used to, oh, there's a commitment, and then it goes up on the commitment list, and everybody's happy or whatever uh, under Spurrier, or you get the Spurs up, and usually within 24 to 48 hours, that person goes public. Um, to now, where it could be weeks, months, <laughs> whenever. Um, it's interesting to track and speculate, but I think sometimes things can be too long, right? You know, and you, you kind of start to wonder and get nervous, but right now there's no reason to be nervous. Uh, and, and I say that by being very clear that we are in a new era right now. Uh, there is no information about NIL out there for any of these three guys. Um, it's not to say it wouldn't happen, but, uh, Right now, there's on May 2nd, there's nothing to be concerned about. Um, and I understand because this is new and different. And when any, every time you have something that's new and different, you get nervous because you're, you know, football fans, college football fans love comfort zones, uh, which I, I, I think that's great. You know, I love comfort zones myself. I love to be comfortable and kind of know that, uh, you know, I can anticipate this and this and this and this. Uh, and maybe it's not always 100%, but there's a general structure to it and I get used to that. It gets part of my routine. And then when that gets taken away, it's bad. We see it when we change colors on the message board, right? Cause you evolve and your site looks different and all that, you know, you know, where we're redoing our front page right now, which I think a lot of people like uh, it's more mobile friendly and all that. But you see, when you change colors on the message board, Oh my God, I can't believe this. And for two days, it's the worst thing in the world will happen. Well, then everybody's eyes adjust and they forget about it. <laughs> So that's kind of the deal, right? Uh, I get it. College football fans love are creatures of habit. They love routine. Uh, and when that changes, that's a little bit, you know, a little bit strange, right? So uh, I get it. But I want to tell you folks, you know, don't worry uh, about the silence, uh, at least based on my latest intel. And as I said, there's a first time for everything. So, uh, that's all, all the deal um, with that. All right. James tweets in. Oh, it's time for the I Help Consulting mailbag, right? I Help Consulting. How can I help you? And I'll go ahead and tell you. I talk, talked about Daniel earlier about, uh, you know, how he's helping with Carolina Rise, and I'll certainly appreciate him. But if you're a business owner, uh, you're always looking to save time and money, and I Help Consulting can help you there. They're a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you may be paying too much for credit card processing, insurance, internet, anything else, they can find your business the most savings without sacrificing any quality. And if they can't help save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. You don't owe them a dime. That's right. If I Help can help your business, it's no cost to use. So call or text Daniel Owens. 843-372-5713 or visit ihelpconsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? Please, please, please give Daniel a call if you're a business owner. I told you all the benefits. He doesn't get paid over what you save. It's a percentage of savings. That's how he makes his money. So uh, good deal. I think all the way around, just to be honest. Just to be honest, I think that's that's pretty good. Um, all right, two ways to get in the help consulting mailbag. Number one, you can tweet to us 
at the Big Spur Pod uh, on Twitter. That's the Inside the Gamecocks Podcast Twitter account. Got lots of questions from there. You can also uh, email us, like I said, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. You know, two things on that, on that email address as well. Uh, you, uh, you know, number one, interested in giving to Carolina Rise, I can shoot you the link personally. Uh, those of you that are in the, uh, do the mailbag. Uh, so one thing on that, and then the other thing is that, uh, you know, that's the, uh, I want to hear from high school coaches, uh, are people familiar with high school football in our state? Uh, is there anything that's not being done or that's being restrictive, you know, from the high school league? And like I said, I don't know enough about it. So maybe not, uh, that's different than other states that that's maybe putting our kids at a, at a disadvantage when it comes to recruiting. Uh, so, and I say our kids, uh, not, not talking about the Gamecocks, talking about all the ones in the Palmetto state. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the deal. Um, so we have, uh, plenty here. Uh, I want to thank Riddle, a Riddle for the kind words on JB and Goldwater. Uh, he tweeted that in, um, Cosmo Davis, JC, NIL question for you. I know coaches can't approach players on other teams directly, but can coaches mention it to current players to recruit a specific guy, i.e. Lincoln Riley? Uh, hey, Caleb, mention to Jordan Addison what Southern Cal has to offer. Um, I, I'm going to say this. This is another example, I think, of, of people kind of missing the boat on it. Um, yes, coaches are aware if a player wants to transfer in. But it's not up to them, really. You know, they, they don't – you know, they're not involved uh, in that. And that's for right now. Now, look, the laws in California may be different. I don't know uh, because it's governed by state law. But, you know, your tweet here, like, puts it on the coach. And that's the kind of mindset, I think, in South Carolina. People have to start – I think there was already a lot of – let's all put it on the coach around here. Uh, I think with this specifically, it, it just has nothing to do with Ray Tanner or Shane Beaver. It's just really, you know, how much do the fans and boosters want to win? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, did Lincoln Riley instruct Caleb Williams to do that? I doubt it. Did Caleb Williams maybe come to Lincoln Riley and say, Hey, Jordan Addison is interested in getting the portal and transfer it. Uh, Caleb Williams, I'm sure, has an NIL deal at Southern Cal without question. And what probably happened was he talked to his NIL guy, uh, uh, be it a collective or an agent or whatever, and then that that facilitated that, right? Um, so I just want to be clear on that, Cosmo Davis. It's, uh, you know, I, I think coaches, by and large, have been a little hamstrung uh, with all of this and, and you know, in terms of how the process works. Now, that's not to say some of them are taking advantage of it, especially Lincoln Riley. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I just don't want to get in this situation where, you know, people give Lincoln Riley all this credit for facilitating it, and then the expectation becomes here that, oh, Shane Beamer's not doing it. Nah, nah, you know, we're, we're not. <laughs> that, that, that would be completely unfair. I'll be honest, I, I don't like the timing of this thing with Addison. I, I think, hey, you want to go to – I mean, you're, you're from Maryland. Caleb's from Maryland, D.C. You've known him. You've known he was at Southern Cal. You know, you want to get in the portal. 
do it before you go through spring practice. I mean, Pitt, Pitt's in the top 15. Uh, you know, they're expecting to try to repeat as ACC champs. You know, they, they've got a good quarterback coming in from Southern Cal, ironically. You know, they need you at Pitt. Uh, I, quite frankly, they need you at Southern Cal, too, because you're great. But, you know, and, and I don't blame him for chasing that money. You know, I, I don't – and going to Los Angeles, quite frankly. <laughs> you know, Pittsburgh's a big city, uh, but it's not the L.A. media market, and the opportunities are probably not there. I don't like the timing of it at all. Uh, to me, this is why coaches won't – okay, if we're going to have this portal thing, we need a period where it's open and then a period where it's shut. And uh, I think that's probably the next thing that's coming down. So, anyway, that's a great question, Cosmo. I, I just wanted to be clear about that because I didn't, you know, I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't want to, you know, get into this thing where we're, again, you know, around here, putting everything on the head coach at all times. Head coach is ultimately responsible for winning football games. Uh, how they do it is up to them largely. <laughs> uh, and, you know, with NIL, they have very little control over it right now. Now, hopefully, it may change. You know, the university could bring some things in-house at different schools. Uh, a lot of it's state law, you know, if they can get it tweaked. But for right now, you know, all Shane Beamer and his staff can do is say, hey, we, we've got opportunities, and that's it. Bullheaded says, Jason, uh, at the Big Sur Pod, watched the draft this weekend and got sick remembering when Carolina had Devontae Walker or Devontae Wyatt committed and Trevon Walker on the verge of committing. Thinking back on other what-ifs, Damon Arnett, Arden Key, Jair Alexander, what do you think is the trajectory of the program if they all sign? I feel like we'd win an SEC East in that time frame and completely change the perception of the program. Maybe. You know, all those guys, put them on the, the 17 or 8 or 17 defense. Maybe the 18 defense doesn't get hurt because there was a good offense that year. You know, I, I think 17 was their best shot. You know, just from a wins and losses standpoint, maybe that makes a difference against Kentucky uh, and uh, Texas A&M. And then they – who else they lose to? Georgia on the road that year, Clemson. Not sure they had beaten Clemson that night. Um, but that certainly was a vulnerable Clemson team. You know, it wasn't like some of the other teams Clemson's had. Uh, with Jake and those receivers, yeah. You know, I think you have a guy like that. And – you know, Trevon Walker was probably, you know, I think Carolina just sort of was a fly in the ointment there. I, I think it was going to be awfully difficult to get him. Uh, Arden Key obviously was committed. Damon Arnett was committed and Jair Alexander. They're all committed. And so, you know, Ohio State flipped Arnett, LSU flipped Key. Alexander went to Louisville, you know, and, and they just sort of let him go. Now, they did replace him with Rashad Fenton. But Rashad Fenton, starter in the NFL, but probably not J.R. Alexander, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of what ifs, and, and that's interesting because it kind of uh, spans two different staffs. Uh, I think the good news with Wyatt was, hey, you know, Carolina was his only offer. They, they evaluated that guy. And there's been other guys like that. You know, people talk 
about Lance Thompson and his tenure there. And look, let's be honest, it did not go well. It did not go well for Lance. Uh, I don't think he was happy, blah, blah, blah. I think he did a great job coaching uh, of the D-line. But, you know, I, I think that recruiting-wise and stuff, he struggled. But look, bottom line is this. There are two guys starting for the defense this year, Sherrod Green and Darius Rush, that Lance Thompson landed. <laughs> so, you know, he has there, – there's still some contribution left there. But um, – yeah, and that was just, you know, the transition from Spurrier to Muschamp. Uh, you know, I thought Muschamp himself personally was an excellent recruiter. Um, and really, if you dig into some of the folks he landed, or the Gamecocks landed during his tenure, almost every one of them, he was heavily involved with himself, uh, which is another reason why I think he tried to do too much. But I, mean, I don't want to get into this, the Muschamp thing again. Uh, here on the podcast, talk too much about it on JB and Goldwater. That's a good off-season topic. Okay, so James, he tweets to thebigspur.com, so I'm not sure if that's he's a listener or what, but he said, uh, I know with all the players leaving, uh, Beamer did say he was going to do whatever was necessary to make the program the best it could be. A great addition to the program uh, could be Corvarius Couch linebacker in the portal from Michigan State. High four-star with lots of eligibility left. I I don't care about his star rating. <laughs> uh, Crouch didn't do much at Tennessee. He was solid at Michigan State this year. Don't care about his star rating. Again, uh, better at running back coming out, I thought. The fact he's transferred twice, just don't think he'd fit into the culture. And I don't think they have room for him either. So, uh, would he be in the two deep at South Carolina this coming season? Probably. I think a lot of that has to do with some, you know, the way the linebackers played last year, but it, it's going to be a different year this year. Now, maybe Crouch goes someplace and plays well, but um, I kind of have a feeling this is about NIL, and I kind of have a feeling that the NIL deal he's looking for is, you know, probably not going to be worth it for whoever signs him. Uh, and I thought, you know, since his recruitment, which was weird and strange, and there were all these demands about, you know, where he needed to play. And I'm like, dude, you guys are acting like he's Herschel Walker or Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> you know, he and the people around him, right? Good, really good player, but, you know, went to Tennessee, didn't do a whole lot. Got in the portal, left for Michigan State, did start, did play pretty well. But, you know, I, I kind of have a feeling this is one where a lot, some people maybe think he's arrived. He's not, he's just a guy, just a guy right now. So I have to disagree with you a little bit on that, James. And, and again, he tweeted to Big Spur 247 on Twitter, so he may not even be a listener, but I wanted to answer that question. All right, inside the game, guys, at gmail.com. Scott says, uh, and this is before the sweep this weekend, I like Coach Kingston, but this year's been brutal to watch. It's so hard to watch after Tanner kept a high standard for so long. With Tanner's teams had injuries, they still battled through. They rarely lost to inferior teams. Hitting continues to be a problem under Kingston. What do the game guys have to do to return to relevance? Mike, uh, you know, the sweep this past weekend was a step in the right direction for this team, but you ask about national relevance, going to Omaha, all that. 
I don't know. It's either going to be a situation where Kingston surprises a lot of people and gets it back on the right track. And it's just, well, they had to go through, you know, five, six years of growing pains or whatever. Uh, or it's going to be a situation where they need to change coaches. I would hope, I would hope that, you know, if they don't make the tournament this year, that a coaching change happens because I think it needs to. I would hope that all this BS with the board of trustees and 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 the buyouts and stuff, because Kingston still has a buyout, about a million dollars, I think, a little over that. It goes down every day. That that, that doesn't deter because that's a loser's. That that that's if you don't if there's a coach that needs to be fired and you don't fire him because of a buyout, that's really a drop in the bucket. Even if it's a big buyout, uh, that you don't have any business worrying about winning at all. <laughs> if your leadership is like you need to save the million dollars and just, you know, if it's not working out, now if it's not working out, and I would define not working out as missing the postseason yet again, uh, losing to all these inferior teams, which is, you know, look, if Carolina finishes pretty well and they still miss the tournament, you're probably going to be able to draw a line. You know, let's say they do get a 500 in the SEC and they're 31 and 25 overall. You can draw a direct line to these midweek losses, inexplicable losses to bad teams and blowing leads and, you know, unbelievably not being able to hook the ball at times. I mean, that, you know, that's the thing there. Uh, and you're right about the Tanner era. That was one thing that was special about Rick and his teams is you never walked away from a season, even when maybe they weren't as good and they lost, the, and I've said this many times, in a regional or whatever, you, you never walked away going, man, you know, and, and never, I, I'm not going to say never, because 2000 was a bitter pill to swallow. <laughs> you remember losing to Louisiana Lafayette and the Supers. Um, and, I, and I think the year before they won the national title, 09, when they went up to East Carolina and blew it late, that was not a good taste. But every other year, you said, even when they lose out in Omaha or whatever, you're like, man, they battled their asses off and down to the last strike. Right. And you never felt like oh, this team's kind of soft and lazy and whatever. Now, I don't I don't know that this year's team's soft and lazy. Uh, it's inconsistent. It's young. They've had some 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 injuries and the hitting still hasn't been fixed. Uh, however, uh, I do believe that, um, you know, I, I think a change needs to be made if they don't make it. And I'll just say that uh, because we have standards. Uh, every program has a standard, right? Uh, and South Carolina baseball standard is not being met. And I don't think you can say that with a straight face uh, if they don't make it this year. If you look at the totality of the Kingston era. Thank you, Scott. Sean, basketball, baseball. Hey, JC, I don't understand fans being upset not getting G.G. Jackson. Well, I didn't expect him to get G.G. Jackson. I, I kind of figured he'd go with the Tar Heels and not reclassify. Because, I mean, if he'd have reclassified this year, you know, you're not going to get to play a whole lot at North Carolina next year because a lot of their guys are coming back uh, off of a team that played for a national championship. But, you know, 2023, he can go in there and play right away. Everyone is saying we should have kept Frank to get him. But to me, the program would have still been stale and neutral. After JGG went one and done, the firing would have been inevitable. I don't think style gets tossed enough about enough of Frank. Look at Bruce Pearl's style. It is exciting. 
and he's getting his fair share of high major recruits at a non-traditional power like Auburn because of it, just a rant. I don't know, man, Sean, I think it's 50-50 on Frank and whether or not they should have pulled the trigger, you know, I just, I don't know. You know, I think, though, that's kind of two months ago hindsight. Uh, I don't think anybody should have been upset with it because the same people that are upset with Lamont Paris for not getting Gigi Jackson and, you know, after Frank had built a relationship with him for his entire life and, and you got a guy you don't know that's, quite frankly, not that visible, uh, I don't think there's enough time to build that relationship or for him to be inspired by going and playing for Lamont Paris. Just wasn't enough time. I never expected Paris to get Gigi Jackson. I thought Julian Phillips, another long shot, was more likely. Um, so that that's the take there. And, and the same people that maybe are upset about I mean, like, like they'd hired Sean Miller. Sean Miller wasn't getting Gigi Jackson either, right? Um, you know, I, I, the same people that are upset at Lamont Paris for not getting Gigi Jackson saying we should have kept Frank are the same people that want Frank fired. You know, and I, I think in general, there's a, always a portion of a fan base that doesn't really get it. You know, it's real black and white. You know, either you get them or I'm mad. You either win or I'm mad. A lot of times you win without style points, and I'm still mad. <laughs> and that's fine because I, I think that's what sports are all about for many people. It's a release, you know, and different people kind of handle their release time in different ways. Some people want nothing but sunshine and rainbows, right? Uh, some people, uh, during release time, they won't challenge, you know, so, so you got the people, sunshine and rainbows people, they're the people that go to Disney all the time, right? Vacation, Disney vacation club, that kind of thing. The people that just want to go be challenged and adrenaline, all that, they're, they're, they're kind of your hunters, fishermen, outdoor sports guys, you know, whatever, um, you know, and, and, and I'm talking about this, I'm, I'm including all these people as sports fans, right? Uh, and then you got the people that are just miserable, you know, uh, and, and their release time uh, is about, and they're not, I'm not saying miserable because a lot of these folks that the fans that I know that are consistently negative live happy lives, right? But, but, but there's the, they're the guys that are going to go to happy hour or get in an argument about politics or something, you know, and that's their release. And, and it's just personality types. Sean says, side note, I'm done with Kingston no matter how the season plays out. I think Link Jarrett would be an excellent fit. I'm sure he would like warmer weather and better tradition in baseball. Back up the Brinks truck. Uh, they're probably not going to need to do that for Link if he's the guy, and I don't think he should be the leading candidate. Um, I like him. I think he'd be a great fit. You can't argue with what he's done at Notre Dame. Uh Paul Maneri, who was at LSU, did a good job at Notre Dame too, though. That, that's not that's a program that's in the north, but it's not like they've never won in baseball. I don't know if they've been to Omaha or not, but they've never, you know. Did they go last year? I don't know. I didn't pay attention. I think they did. But, you know, it being in the ACC and winning it too at Notre Dame is even more impressive. I think he'd be in the top four. Uh, I think Dan McDonald at Louisville needs to be the number one candidate. Uh, and then you got Link Jarrett, and then you've got Scott Jackson from Liberty and Cliff Goblin from East Carolina. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys. And I mentioned Goblin fourth. He may be the best coach out of all four. 
you know, my East Carolina people that I know and know well are that guy's just an unbelievable coach. You know, just kind of kept that thing rolling. But that's his alma mater. So uh, there's a lot of people out there like Ray Tanner should not be allowed to hire a new coach. Well, I mean, look, I, I know that things haven't gone well, but I also think that's a loser's mentality. Uh, I think that you're so mad about whatever, you know, I mean, you're so mad that Lamont Paris got the job, uh, you know, when he hasn't even coached a game that, that you're going to have another crazy year. Uh, and I apologize for my dog dancing around. Uh, another crazy bad year in baseball, a torpedo it even more. I mean, in baseball, folks, you're recruiting so early. You know, you go through another year of that, then the next coach is going to – I mean, if, you, if those guys don't hit – not hit the baseball, but hit as far as players, you know, you're going to be in a bigger hole. you got to act now. I don't care who's making the hire. I don't care if Teddy Ruxpin and Rumpelstiltskin and HR Puffs Puffin stuff are making the hire. You know, you got to you got to get going. You got to get a moving. It's not like football and basketball. Uh, now I was talking to Whittle the other day. Do do I think this early recruiting in baseball is a good thing? No, because I think who a lot of time you know in in baseball sometimes. You know, you got guys that have it for one year and then they don't or whatever, pitchers, whatever. Uh, you play so much of the sport. I, I do think it's not as hard to evaluate as football. But I think you're in, anytime you're recruiting super early in a sport, I think you're risking something and, and making that a, a big push. Um, but I also understand the nature of baseball recruiting with limited scholarships. You're trying to lock guys up. You know, in baseball, you know, you can lose a great player to the college of Charleston um, or Winthrop or someplace like that if they give him a full scholarship and you, you don't have but like book money, which is something that's unfair about the sport. Uh, but I'm with you. I, you know, as far as Kingston goes, I, if he, if he scrapes by and gets to a regional with this team, you know, I think at that point, the decision comes into, I'm going to rename red clicky decision. The, you know, the decision the, the, the critical factors in the decision kind of become more about injuries and youth. Okay, well, with a young team, a lot of guys coming back and then a lot of injured pitchers, you scrape by, you overcame adversity, you got a regional. That's that's the narrative, and that's it's more than a narrative to me. I think it's it's legit, you know, as far as making an argument for him to stay. Um because accomplishments are accomplishments. You know, did did the were the standards of the program met? No, they weren't met last year, right? But given the other factors that happen, and then given the fact he's got a new staff, and you know, you you, you can justify one more year if he gets if he gets there. I, I don't think he will. Now, what's going to be criminally bad is if Tanner wants to make a move. And the Ray Tanner should not be allowed to do this brigade gets out and the anti-buyout brigade gets out. That's Loserville. That's Loserville. Especially when you look at the fact that there are a lot of good coaches out there that I think are more than ready to take this job. Now, do I think Ray needs to have a meandering search where he interviews 15 different people and goes with the best interview? No. I think it's a one phone call, two phone call thing. And, and that's what this program is. It's it's a hey, you want to come coach South Carolina baseball? Yes, I do. All right, well, let's work out a contract. Uh, it's not like basketball. 
where you may go down the road with Sean Miller and get rejected or football where, you know, Tom Herman rejects you and then Kirby Smart gets Georgia, you know, uh, the hierarchy of jobs in this sports locked down. It's one of the best baseball programs in America. And uh, I think it's time for people to start acting like it. Right. Thank you, Sean. Really good stuff. Baseball. Lended it in a baseball basketball map. All right. Thanks for listening again to the Inside the Gamecast podcast. We'll be back Wednesday, Thursday-ish. Do have a JC and Morgan pod dropping later today. We're going through the SEC, talking to like insiders of these schools. Today's Tennessee, Bob Kesling, the uh, voice of the Vols, will be our guest there. Uh, Also, want some feedback about that live show thing. Want some feedback about high school football in the state. Want some feedback about Carolina Rise. Hit the inbox inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Don't forget, Gamecock baseball returns to the diamond as they try to march toward the tournament. Wednesday night at 7. Congrats to all the Gamecocks that were drafted. Actually, all the players that have been drafted. Uh, I'm getting to the point now. I've been gone long enough from national recruiting where there are very few recruits that have gone elsewhere besides Carolina or whatever that I've covered. So uh, that was a little jarring this year, I guess. But um, anyway, congrats to everybody that got drafted. Certainly is a big deal uh, when you see young people succeed and uh, get their opportunity at playing uh, in at the highest level. J.C. Sherbert signing off. This has been the Inside the Gamecast podcast.